So after those Thanksgiving songs, you expect a Thanksgiving message, right? If you, yeah? We'll come back Tuesday night and we'll have a Thanksgiving message. So <laughs> this morning, uh, I'm going to continue in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. And uh, if you've been following along and, and you've been here and uh, been been listening to the messages, you'll know that I've been going systematically or uh, in an expository fashion through the book of 1 Peter. And this is a very uh, pertinent scripture to the day that to the day that we live in. Now the Bible, uh, the last bit of the Bible was written, you know, somewhere around, some would say 1850, 1900 years ago. And you would think that a book that was written that long ago uh, would be sort of outdated, right? I mean, with, with as fast as time moves and, and, I mean, you know, things, you, read, you, you open a magazine, you know, maybe a popular mechanics magazine or a, a car and driver magazine or, or what, is, what is it the ladies read, uh, uh, Better Homes and Gardens? I, I, don't, I don't know what women read, to be honest with you. But if you were to open those magazines from even five years ago, the things would be outdated, right? I mean, the technology would be old, and you would say, well, that's, that's old news. But the Bible remains relevant, amen? And the reason that the Bible remains relevant is because it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because it's God's book. It's actually God's Word written down, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the men that wrote this book were, were actually spoken to. And, and we believe that their, their pens were even guided as they were, were writing this book by the Holy Spirit. And so you can pretty much turn to anywhere in the Bible and you'll find something that can apply to your life every single day. And this section of Scripture is no different. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 13. Let's stand and honor the reading of God's Word. And uh, we'll get into the message. Pray for me as I deliver this message. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 13. Peter says this. He says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the King. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And, and God, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Thank you for each one that's here. God bless them for their effort. And Lord, as we dive into your word, and God, we get into this uh, section of scripture that may be uh, not the most popular and maybe not the most preached, but God, it is so true. And as we open your word to, to receive your counsel this morning, God, I pray that you would guide us. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit would do his work in this place and that you would give us an open mind and an open heart to receive what you would have to say. And God, we glorify you. We lift you up because you're the only one worthy. Give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The reason that I began preaching in this way uh, expositorily is because it, 
as a preacher, I'll say this, and, and Brother Mark, by the way, is preaching at a, a different church this morning, so we need to pray for him. He's over in Sparta, so that's where Mark is this morning. But as a preacher, sometimes what I'm guilty of is, is I'm guilty of picking and choosing. You know, and as a Sunday school teacher, uh, George, and, and I believe Randall's in here, Brother Charlie, and some of you adult Sunday school teachers, you get to choose what you want to teach, and you can kind of go here, and you can kind of go there. But when you go straight through the Word of God, you, you can't do that. You can't just pick what, what you want to preach. And if it was up to me, I probably would never preach a sermon on this subject. And I would pray, this is not something that this is going to make you shout. Somebody in, in here earlier said that they were cold, and I told them to get up and run a few laps. And, and they said, do you want us to do that while you're preaching? And I said, well, yeah, go ahead. But this is not that kind of sermon. I will go ahead and warn you this morning. But it is still the whole counsel of the Word of God. And how many of you would agree that we need the entire Word of God? We don't just need to. We don't just need to get the parts that we want, and and you know, just eat the meat and spit out the bones. We need to read all of this, and so this is so important to the day and time that we live in because we live in a in a country that's that's pretty much divided down the middle. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, there, there's division everywhere, and I've said this several times in the book of Peter that the last thing that we need in our churches and in our country is division. I mean, we need, if, if there's ever a time that we need to come together, it's right now. But when you, get on this, when you get on this subject of the government, people start getting nervous. People, I can see, I said the word government, and about half of you tensed up, you know, you don't know what's coming. I would, I would implore you and beg you and ask you, please, come at this message with an open mind. I'm not here to preach my opinions or what I believe or what I think. That's, that's, this message is not political at all. What this message is about this morning is how you and I should view government in a biblical lens. How we should see, how we should look at that, because because the government's something we've got to deal with, whether we want to or not, right? I mean, you've you've got to you've got to deal with it. It's there, and 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 so verse thirteen. Let's just dive right into the word of God. The first word that we see here is the word submit. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, for the Lord's sake. Now you read that and you think submit. I, I don't really like that word submit. That, that word is, you know, I'm an independent person and, and I don't like to submit. Well, let me throw this out there this morning. There's generally two types of people that you'll run into in the world. And this applies to, to pretty much everything. We're, talking about, we're going to talk about laws and we're going to talk about what it calls ordinances of, of man for the Lord's sake. And you're going to run into two types of people. You're probably going to fall in one of these two categories. You're going to fall into number one. I'm going to introduce these people to you. you you've got the, the people that follow the rules. How many of you consider yourselves to be rule followers this morning? You know what's funny? I got to thinking about this. And, and I got to thinking about rule followers and, 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 and who that is. You know who the best rule followers in the world is? Teachers. When I, was, when I was sitting there praying about this message and I wrote this thing down about rule followers, I thought about Joanna. And I thought about Lacey and I thought about the other Lacey and, and those that, that teach. They, you know why they follow the rules so well? Because they want their rules to be followed, right? You want your kids to come into your class in an orderly fashion, do what you ask them to do, do their work and, and follow the rules. And these people, really, a lot of times, they're pretty good at submission to a point. 
They're pretty good at listening to not only what the Bible says, but they're even really good at listening to what the laws say. And they're, they're pretty good at following the law of the land. And then, and then if you're like me, and this is not wrong, this is not sinful, I'm not telling you that this is bad and you need to come to the altar and repent, uh, but we have rule followers and then sometimes we have people that have sort of a rebellious streak. How many of you have a rebellious streak? Nobody wants to admit to that, do they? I'm glad Tanner and, and David, I know you got a rebellious streak, brother. Uh, but, but nobody wants to be like, yeah, I'm the guy that wants to buck the system. I'm the guy that wants to go against the grain. But a lot of times we, we have that attitude towards government if we're not careful. And so the, the, the people that are rebels, the people that are not necessarily really good at following the rules, when they see this word submit... In the Bible, they sort of stumble at it. They sort of, they sort of back up and say, now wait a minute, what, what is this, this submission thing? The only person that I submit to is God. And that's true, right? We submit to God. Everybody in here, whether you're a rule follower or whether you're somebody that maybe bends the rules occasionally and breaks the rules, you submit to God. But according to Peter and according to what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, He's writing to these people and he says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Now, did I make that up or is that in your Bible in black and white? It's, it's right there, isn't it? And so we read that and if you're like me, you say, Now, now wait a minute, I've, I've sort of got a problem with that. And we might say things like this, Well, Peter... I mean, Peter wrote this a really long time ago. And, and if Peter lived in the day and time that we lived in and he saw what was going on, then he would have a different attitude, right? I don't think so. I mean, like I said, we're, we're sort of divided as a country and, and things are, you know, the outlook's not necessarily the best. And, and again, not political, but just, just the way things are going, it's not real bright sometimes. But think about where Peter's sitting right now. I want you to understand this. Peter is writing in the land of Palestine somewhere. We're not exactly sure where Peter's writing this from or necessarily who he's even writing it to. But whether it, aside from that, he's sitting here in occupied territory. I mean, the Roman government has taken over his home. Peter has probably never even known a time that he's been free from the rule of the Roman government. Now, if you've got a history book or you, you remember uh, social studies from a long time ago when you were in school, you'll know that the Roman government, they really weren't a good group of people, right? They weren't generally the best guys in the world. They, in fact, not only were they, 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 they were not anti-religious, they were very religious, but they were religious in a pagan way. They worshipped other gods, and they were wicked people. The guy sitting on the throne, maybe the guy that Peter's referring to here at the end of verse 13, he says, uh, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as to them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. And then you skip down to the end of verse 17. And he says, honor the king. This guy that was on the throne at this time, the emperor, if you will, of Rome, was Nero. 
And I'm not here to give you a big history lesson on Nero, but he was a, he was a wicked man. He, he was far more wicked than, than you and I can even imagine. Later on, after Peter wrote this, this hadn't happened yet, but what he would actually do is Nero, this is what history says, he would throw, he would throw parties. And you know, what, you know how he would light his parties? With Christians. He would bring them in, he would tie them to a stake, and he would set them on fire, and then him and the other Romans would party. It's pretty wicked, right? And if he, maybe he wasn't having a party and you were a Christian, then he would just take you down to the local Colosseum and he would feed you to the wild animals for entertainment. And this is the kind of guy that Peter says to honor. Wow. Our leaders don't seem so bad anymore, do they? Last time I checked, at least in the United States, there's not been any Christians used as, as lighting for parties or fed to any wild animals. And yet he says to honor this man. And so I'm going to give you some things, and I'm going to give you some principles to live by. Some things that, that how we should, we should view the government. And like I said, this is not necessarily something that I'm just excited and couldn't wait to get up here. But it's still something that we need to know how to handle, right? We need to know what to do. We need to know how to live and to honor God. See, the thing about it is, is when you read this scripture, it says something that we need to pay attention to. It says in verse 14, Or unto governors, or unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of them that do well. And why do we do this? We do it for what it says in verse 13, For the Lord's sake. If it was up to me, uh, I probably wouldn't have the, the best attitude sometimes towards things. But God says to do this for His sake. And so the first thing that I would like, if you're writing down, you can just write down this sentence. It's really simple. That generally, as a Christian, in everyday life, we should have a submissive attitude. Now, as I've already mentioned in, in, a little earlier in the sermon, we are quick to say that we are submissive to God. We say that, right? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean just because we say it that we are. Because if we were fully submitted to God, if we, we were submissive like we should be, then, then we would probably do things a little bit differently. We may even live differently and act differently. And, and, and just the will of God would be... Uh, prevail the prevailing driving force of our life if we were fully submissive and then as as uh, husbands and wives I believe Randall was teaching on this this morning were you Randall were you teaching on this is Randall asleep <laughs> he was in Ephesians but he was he was talking about submissiveness and and even as as husbands and wives now I know the Bible says that the wives are to submit to their husbands but I believe that we should reciprocate that as husbands, that we should love our wives and that we should, we should have that submissive nature in, in everyday life. Like I said, I'm not just really super good at this. You know, I'm not good at submitting to things all the time. When, when I see a sign, I, I've, I've said this before, when I see a sign that says 55, I'm going 65. 
But you rule followers, all you, I see your eyes roll. I saw Juana's eyes roll from here. Sometimes submission, I'm not real good at it. But as a Christian, as somebody who is born again, I should be submissive for the Lord's sake. That I should, that I should follow the laws. You know, we're, we're submissive as a church, right? You know why we're submissive as a church? Because when this church was built in, in the 1970s, we probably built this church to code. Well, guess what a code is? It's something that we have to be submissive to. You think about speeding and you think about things that, that we deal with every single day. Taxes. We don't like them, but we submit to them. And if you don't, the IRS is probably looking for you right now. We, we submit to uh, many different laws. And those are easy. But where do, where do we stop is the question. I mean, it's easy for us to say, well, yeah, I'm not going to murder. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But when do we, we stop submitting and when do we put our foot down and say, all right, the government has overstepped what they, are, what they were supposed to do. And so we've got we've to say no right here. Where is that? Where's that line? That's a hard question to answer, right? I would love for, for somebody to get up here and, and preach that because that was a very a hard, a hard thing that I had to pr- think about this week and pray over and, and just been rolling it around in my head and wrestling with this idea, with this scripture. I, I wrestled with this scripture this week. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Verse 15 says, For this is the will of God. That we do this. This is not Peter telling us to blindly follow everything that everybody in authority says. This is not Peter saying that we should just submit for the sake of submission and that we should just be a doormat and that the church should just get run over every time. That is not what Peter's saying here. In fact, I would like to submit to you this morning that there, were, there are several, several examples, and I'm going to give you three, at least three, of times that, that people were supposed to be doing what the leaders said, what the king said, what the government said, and they had to say no. This is your rule right here. This is, this is how you know where to draw the line. You ready for this? Get ready. If it violates the Word of God, you draw the line. Amen? If it, if it violates your morals, you can draw the line right there. But really, it, it doesn't come down to our opinions and what we think because we all have so many different opinions. And what some of us say, well, we've got to follow the rules and follow the laws and, and do this. And some of us say, well, you know, I don't know about that. But let me say, if, if anything that anybody tells you Anybody. That doesn't necessarily have to be the, the president or it doesn't have to be uh, our governor, Bill Lee. It doesn't have to be uh, the mayor of Cookville, Ricky Shelton, or, or whoever it is, wherever a law is signed in. If it violates the Word of God, if it goes clearly against Scripture, that's where we stand. That's where we stop and we say, that's enough. That's it. 
This is a hill that I'm willing to plant my flag on and die on this hill and say, no, the Bible is against this, and so this is where we, we don't draw the line. This is where we, we stop. This is where we draw the line and say, no more, and we stand up and fight. You know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of Christians in this world that are looking for a fight, right? They're ready to fight. They're ready to, to die on a lot of different hills. But I found that there's a lot of hills that I used to be uh, ready to die on that I'm not willing to die on anymore because they don't violate Scripture, because they don't go against the Bible. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to this. If, if you don't, this is, this is familiar stuff, kind of old hat, if you will. But in the book of Daniel, a decree went out. And you know what that decree said? That decree said that there's going to be a big statue built and that you're going to have to bow down to this big statue and you're going to have to worship it. When the music starts and when people start playing, you're supposed to go out into this big field and you're supposed to get in lines and and when the music starts playing, you bow down. That wasn't a suggestion. That wasn't just something that somebody thought, well, this will be cool. This was actually a decree. It says in, in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, that Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. And he called together everybody and all the princes and all the sheriffs and captains and treasurers and counselors. And this was the governors. And this is the people that it said in, in, in 1 Peter that we have to bow down to. And in verse 4, The herald cried aloud and and it said it is commanded people, nations, and languages that you bow down. Now we all know this story, right? It's very familiar. You probably learned this in in the smallest class that we have here in in the little elementary classes, maybe not nursery, but the next step up. You know this story, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Hebrew children, uh, the fiery furnace. And we like to talk about the fiery furnace. But what we don't like, what we don't mention sometimes is the reason that they were put there. We say, well, they just disobeyed. They just did this and, and, and we move on. But I want you to think about the repercussions that they were about to have to deal with here. Remember, this is, this is something that the government and the king and the emperor, whoever, whatever you want to say about Nebuchadnezzar that he was, this is something that he commanded. And you know what they said? No way. They planted their flag right there. And they said, we will not bow down. And we all know the story that, that they saw this, and so they bring them before Nebuchadnezzar, and, and they really they wanted to give them a chance. And you move over into the next few verses in chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to read that to you. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, if you throw us in the furnace, if that's what he's saying, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods. Or worship the golden image which you have set up. They had to stand. You know why they had to stand? Because it violated the Word of God. It would have been so much easier for them just to bow down. 
I imagine that perhaps as they stood there and they made an agreement together when this, when this, uh, this commandment went out and they, they kind of huddled up and said, Guys, you remember that, that the Ten Commandments say that there's no other gods before God. So we can't bow down. And so they go out there. I mean, they go to a certain point. They went you know, as far as they could with, with this act and they go out into the field and everybody else bows down but they refuse. I, I, I like to think maybe people were pulling at their ropes saying, hey guys, the music, the music's playing. Can you hear the music? Go ahead and bow down. They said, no, we cannot do it. And so they were willing to take that stand for what, not what they believed in, not necessarily their opinion, but what the Word of God said. Amen? Then you turn it over a couple of pages to Daniel chapter 6, and again, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and then you have Daniel. And remember, we're, we're under the wicked rulers at this time, Nebuchadnezzar, and now this king named Darius. And Darius sends out a decree that, that he should be worshipped. Now what was, what was the rule that the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said we wouldn't break? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Daniel's going to do the same thing. And in verse number 10 of chapter number 6 it says, And now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. And so Daniel knew that the law had been passed. The king had sealed it. It said that, that he took his signet and he sealed it, and he signed this decree even though he was tricked into it. We're not going to get into that right now. But Daniel said, no way. Now, I don't know if there were other people in the kingdom that, that continued to pray. I sure hope there was. Maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were somewhere praying. But this was Daniel was actually targeted. I want you to understand that. Targeted. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the church gets targeted, right? I, I mean, I've heard stories about Christian businesses getting targeted because they're Christian businesses. There was a, a story I, when I was researching this message this week. I read this article about the, just. A, I'll give you a quick synopsis of it. I won't tell you the whole story. But back when the there was a movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, y'all, y'all, and I guess that's still going. But you don't just hear as much about it right now. But there was a business in Chicago. Uh, I believe it was a deli. And when Black Lives Matter was going on, uh, Chicago, you know, that was sort of one of the epicenters of this of this movement. And this deli was a Christian-owned business. And so the owner of this business, j j all he done was chose not to put Black Lives Matter on his, uh, on his Facebook page. And he put All Lives Matter. That's just what he put. And I'm, I'm just telling the story. I, I don't know which side of the fence you fall on. Don't don't really matter. But that's what he did. And uh, he was a Christian he was a homosexual uh, before he was saved, and, and God had saved him, and now he had a family and had kids, and, and he was, he was going to stand for what was right, at least, at least he thought. And so he put that, and then here come the protesters, here come the rioters, here come the people, and now this business is permanently closed because they destroyed this business because of his Christian beliefs, because of his stand. 
and, and again, this is not necessarily political. I'm just telling you that sometimes people get targeted for their beliefs. Amen? And so Daniel was targeted for what he believed. But yet he chose to stand and say that I will, I will continue to pray. Now, now get this. This is just this, this one little, little, little caveat of this whole thing is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire because they refused to bow down. And Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for bowing down. Do you see that? It's like you can't win sometimes, right? But yet we see that in the book of Daniel. And then one more example, and you say, well, that's the Old Testament. That, you know, that's, those were wicked kings, the Babylonian kings and, and all these, these Persian kings. They were wicked people. But how about the Jewish people? These Jewish men. We have Peter, James, and John in Acts chapter 4, verse number 18. What they had done is they had healed a man that couldn't walk. They were just going to church one day. They were going down to the temple. And this man looked at them and, and asked them for money. And they said, we, we don't have any money. I, I, guess they were, I guess they were free will Baptists. I don't know. But, but they said, we don't have any money. And they said, but such as we have, we'll give to you. And, and he was able to rise up and walk. And in verse number 18, and they called them, this being the Sanhedrin council. They, the Sanhedrin council, called the apostles and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. So there's the, there's the little uh, command, if you will. It says in verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. So Peter, James, and John were told, hush. Just, just be quiet, guys. That's all, that's all it is. It's not, about, it's not about their prayer life. It's not about even worshiping a graven image. They were just, you know, they said, you know what? You're being too loud. You're, you're doing things that, that, you know, we don't agree with as the Jewish council. This was a religious council. Remember, not even the Roman government, not a bunch of pagans. This is the Jewish council. And they said, just be quiet. Just go mind your own business and do your thing. And Peter, James, and John says, all I'm doing is just telling you what I've seen. What command were, were the Jewish people breaking then? Well, I believe in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, go into all the world and be witnesses on my behalf, right? And sometimes you may, you may face people that, that don't want to hear it. You may face people that don't like it. And, and I will tell you in the world right now, there are places... That if you were to go and, and hand out a gospel track or recite some scripture and, and somebody came to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the government found out about it, you know what the government would do to you? They would kill you. There are places like China 
in the world. A lot of Arab nations where the Bible is illegal and, and if, there is any, if, if, if there is any gospel teaching done, it's, it's done in secret. But guess what? The word has to go out because Jesus said go. And it will be a lot easier for these people just to keep their mouth shut. It would be a lot cheaper for, for us not to have to send money to these missionaries that are having to work in secret and they're not necessarily always seeing somebody saved, but when they do, great things happen. It would be a lot easier for us to just be quiet sometimes, but we can't. And so Peter, James, and John, they purposely had to disobey now these are three examples of times that you can. But what did I say earlier in the sermon? That generally we have an attitude of submissiveness, right? We, we have to know where to draw the line. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Not only does it violate Scripture, but does it affect how I worship if, if, there, if something comes out that affects how you worship, then you, you can just pretty much disregard that. You can pretty much go on with your life. And so we ask this question, why do we do this? Why, uh, preacher, you just stood here and told me for reasons why I, should, why I should stand up, reasons why I should buck the system. Well, to be honest with you, we, we generally, we haven't faced at least bowing down to a graven image, at least I haven't. I don't think you have. We haven't been told to hush yet, not at least to the extreme and been threatened and, and beaten for it. It could happen. It might happen. But until it does, we should be people that live to glorify God. Now let's read the rest of this because if I, I, would, I would be doing a great disservice to the Word of God if I just read part of it. So the reason we do this is found in verse 15. You, you can open your Bibles back up to Acts chapter, or 1 Peter chapter 2. It says that this is the will of God to submit ourselves. That with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. The reason we do this is so, get this, this is going to sound crazy to you, so that we have good standing with the lost world. So that you and I can continue to have a good name. Because understand this, people that are lost, I mean, some of them might care a little bit about what the Bible says, but most of them don't. And so, if you were to go to them and say, well, I'm saved, and I'm a Christian, and so I don't have to do the things that you do. I don't have to listen to the law. I don't have to go the speed limit. I don't have to, I don't have to pay taxes. I don't have to do this and that. Well, that would be a poor witness, wouldn't it? That would be a terrible way to try to win somebody to God. Well, actually, I don't know. If, if you told somebody that if you become a Christian, you didn't have to pay taxes, there might be a lot more people getting saved. I don't know. But anyways, if we, if we lived in that fashion and if we acted like that and acted like, that we're, acted like we're better or that, that things don't apply to us or 
or just walked around with our noses up in the air, that would be a very poor witness. The reason that we live like we live, the reason that we don't break the laws, the reason that I'm not out here doing all these, the, these wicked things is so that somebody can't look at me and say, well, look at that guy. Look at, look at all the wicked things he's doing. If somebody is going to say something bad about you, let it be false. And, and so we're putting, it says, putting to silence the, the foolishness of ignorant men. He says, as free. That means as people that are saved, people that are not subject to sin anymore, that are not under the curse of sin, and it says, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. I don't believe we have to look any further than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to find that Jesus was a, was a servant to all. And that Jesus, even though He was above the government, and even though that, that He created, that was there when the very men were created that, that did all these wicked things, and the men that crucified Him, guess what? Jesus submitted. You know, when Jesus stood in, in Pilate's judgment hall, and Pilate looked at Jesus in the eye in John chapter 19, and he said, do you know, Jesus, that I have the power to kill you? You know what Jesus said? You don't have any power unless God, my Father, gives it to you. We must understand that God is still in control of all that's going on. That this situation, it's not gotten out of hand. It, it's not to a point where, where God just has thrown up His hands and say, you know what, just forget it. The Bible says in, in one place that the hand of kings, this is in Proverbs, the heart of kings is in the hand of the Lord. This, this is not surprising God. God knows exactly what is going on. And yet He still said, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Sort of a different sermon this morning, right? But I hope we can understand that, that we're, to, we're to generally be submissive people unless it violates the Word of God. I'm not talking about political parties. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm just talking about obeying laws. Obeying what those in authority have to say so that you and I can be witnesses to a lost world. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you. And Lord, I thank you for your word. And God, I just pray that, that no matter who's in this, in this room, whether it be somebody that's really good at, at listening to the rules or whether it be somebody that may be a little rebellious in some ways, God, help us to know that we should still be submissive and that we should still live under the authority of the ruling powers. And God, help us by the guidance of the Holy Spirit to know when, when, when to stop and when to draw the line and when to make a stand and say no more. And God, when that time comes, help us to be like Peter, James, and John and be bold 
and be like Daniel and, and be willing to go, it may be into the lion's den or maybe go to jail or wherever it may be. God, help us to have the wisdom. Help us to be as wise as servants, serpents, but yet as, as gentle as doves. Lord, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.